This WebmasterRadio.fm program is made possible in part by the following. Today's forecast calls for 6 to 12 inches and temperatures will only be in the teens overnight, so bundle up and... Imagine you're planning your end-of-year reports, planning for next year. What are you going to do to monetize more in 2011? We're going to have clear and sunny skies with a perfect day of weather for everyone coming to AFCON 2010. Warm up your marketing strategies this December in our winter oasis for affiliate marketers. AFCON 2010 Florida, December 8th through 10th at the Fairmont Turnberry Isle Resort in Aventura, Florida. Sign up now at AFCON2010.com. That's AFFCOM2010.com. The opinions expressed on this WebmasterRadio.fm program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of WebmasterRadio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. Feeling better? Looking better? Making life better? It's Life Tips. Life We'll explore the latest innovations, introduce you to the latest products, and bring you the tips from experts and environmental pioneers to help you lead a better life. Life Tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, wiser. Here are your hosts. Welcome back, everybody, to the Life Tips show. I'm here with Eric Brody. Welcome, Eric. Thank you. Eric, you're the principal of Shift Advantage. Pleasure to have you on the show. Can you tell us a little bit about your company and your your endeavors to make the world a better place? Yeah, my company is a, a sustainability uh, consulting firm, and we assist companies in, uh, in help, and, and organizations um, in helping make make the shift towards sustainability and, and corporate responsibility while creating competitive advantage. Um, and that's that's through a variety of means, um, everything from helping companies create cultural change and engage their employees to uh, measuring and assessing their their carbon footprint, water, energy, and figure out ways uh, to make improvements, um, incorporating sustainability into into their operations, uh, into their activities. So a variety of things depending on what what the client needs. We're going to get into a lot of those issues, and there are about a 25 to 75 issues that were just in the first statements you made. Um, and I, of course, am going deaf, but so don't use me as a barometer, but feel free to speak up a little bit if you want in case any of the guests are having trouble hearing you. You were connecting. I want to try to get the connection, if you can, between sustainability and competitive advantage. Can you talk about that a little bit and how those dots are being connected? Yeah, I think what a lot of businesses are seeing um, in this kind of a new new way of doing business is that um, sustainability and and doing the right thing for business uh, go hand in hand. Um, and there's a variety of reasons for that. So there's market pressures where companies are seeing that their competitors are already moving in that direction. Um, there's there's pressures from um, NGO non non governmental organizations, so um, company or organizations like Green. Greenpeace and others that are putting pressures on companies. There's a uh, public pressure from from uh, consumer groups um, wanting companies to do the right thing. Um, so so there's there's that that advantage um, there. And then there's also just people wanting to buy from companies that reflect their own values, and that seems to be a growing trend. Um, so that uh, obviously people want a great price and, and good service and um, everything else to be there. But in, di- in addition, more and more people want to know that. The companies they're 
associating with reflect their own values. So there's, there's that opportunity to bring those customers on or maintain the customers they already have. And then, of course, um, there's the, there's the um, cost, cost efficiencies from really identifying what the, your energy use, water use, uh, what all your inputs are, resource inputs are, and, and, and figuring out ways to reduce those, that which have a great um, benefit from an environmental perspective, but they also usually reduce find, are great ways to reduce cost and, and find creative ways to either reduce reduce those inefficiencies or use what was once considered waste, finding something that you could actually turn that waste into a revenue stream. So there's a lot of opportunities what? there. And then, and then there's, the, of course, the old um, thing that's always been there, which is regulations and whether they're international regulations or local regulations uh, and requirements that uh, companies have to, have to deal with and face. So on, on that level, by working towards being more progressive on these environmental issues, you could get away from potential of being fined or shut down or get negative publicity because of not meeting the, the regulations and, and laws that are out there. What is your background and, and, and what do you do with the company? So so my background, I've been, um, well, I have an environmental science degree and um, from that I went into more the environmental consulting world, um, helping companies that were need, needed to do certain things based on regulations and permitting um, that uh, is, is pretty pretty popular out there in terms of a lot of a lot of consulting firms just do that level. Um, I was more interested personally in getting uh, beyond just just regulation and into the more progressive um, sustainability and the innovation that's around that. Uh, so I ended up going to Nike and uh, becoming their sustainable business integration manager where I, I got a chance to do that and work within the company and through the supply chain to make um, to make changes that uh, improve the business and improve the environmental footprint. Um, I was I was there for about seven years and then I was recruited to a, a company called NAU, called NAU, which um, was a retail direct technical and urban clothing company with its own building our own retail stores, and um, I was a sustainability person there uh, for about three years until about 2008, right at the crux of the, or the beginning, I guess, of the recession, um, and we were not able to get funding to keep going, so so that brand shut down, um, and uh, shortly after, another company uh, bought that brand, um, but uh, they had, they had to, um, before that happened, we, we went bankrupt, and all the employees had to be basically let go. So I ended up um, starting my, my consulting firm, and it was something I was planning on doing um, at some point, uh, but this was kind of the uh, push the push the bird out of the nest, and it seemed like it was good timing to uh, to do that. And um, I've been, in the past, I've uh, been involved in a lot of working groups, uh, industry collaborative groups, ranging from dealing with issues around um, social issues in factories overseas to issues around carbon and, and greenhouse gases to water. Uh, and, and a lot of these working groups come together because companies realize that on their own, it's tough to solve these problems. But within industry collaborative groups, it's easier to solve them. So so through that experience, I made a lot of contacts in, in, um, in various industries. And um, from there, able to have a, a pretty good base to start with in terms of, of clients to work with. Uh, so I've been very fortunate in having a broad range of clients, everything ranging from um, from Boeing and their commercial airline sector to um, 
the Outdoor Industry Association, working with companies that provide um, outdoor gear to people, and um, and, and working with a, a bank that's uh, a national bank. Um, so a wide wide range of, of clients over the last um, last two years that I've been in business. Let's take a little bit of a break. I want to come back with some uh, with some rapid fire questions for you, though, on on sustainability. And I understand you have some great tips for us all as well. So let's take a quick break, everybody, and then we'll be back in just a minute. Life tips will be right back after this short break. How do you choose the right affiliate network to partner with? The answer is simple. MarketHealth.com, where health and wealth connect. Established in 1998, the MarketHealth.com affiliate network allows you to market and promote the world's leading health and beauty offers on the net. Start making recurring income and the highest payouts in our industry. Choose from over 50 of the hottest selling offers, ranging from herbal supplements, skincare, vitamins, beauty products, weight loss, and much more. Sign up for free at MarketHealth.com and start making money today. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, so you know their SEO experts, but did you know they can help you with PVC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. What is this? Why is my website not ranking higher? Sounds like you could use a link building report from SEOFox.com. What's that? You can't rank without good backlinks. And SEOFox.com's link building report lets you enter domains and compare their backlinks. It gives a detailed report that shows you why each domain ranks where it does, and it reduces the time it takes to find more links. With SEOFox.com's link building report, you can find more links, use their search marketing services to find more links, or better yet, they could even build your own backlinks. So you think you're pretty sly with that SEO Fox link building report. <laughs> sly like a fox. Get your link building report today at SEOFox.com. That's SEOFox.com. CEO Coach. Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Culture and Business Channel, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. And now back to Life Tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, and wiser. Here are your hosts. We're back, everybody, with Eric Brody. Eric, tell us a little bit about... What companies can do um, currently and how companies can really engage their employees in sustainability and, and uh, you know, sort of this, this whole integrated make the world a better place concept? Because um, it seems to me it's very hard to do that now, and I bet you've got some great insight in that. In that. So let's, let's, let's hear from you a little bit on the, on the engagement of employees in sustainability. Yeah, a real simplified version is, is basically figuring out what the big impacts and, and uh, the inputs and outputs uh, from an environmental lens of, of your company is from the, the activities you do, and then figuring out specific goals for each department and each individual. And are you, wow, that sounds easy and simple. And simple. Um, how much is involved in 
correcting problems that people are having or making people aware of how they're doing things incorrectly or teaching them new things that they could be doing? Do you have a breakdown of bad habits versus new things that people know need to know? Well, part of it is actually just, um, yeah, making people aware of, of what their impacts are. And they may not know that what they do, if you want to call it a bad habit, or uh, just that it has greater impacts on the on the world. So it's, it's basically raising that awareness. And once they raise that awareness, figure out a way that that can be measured and communicated to them, and then some specific short-term and long-term goals. To, to move things forward. Hmm. Could you give us some examples of specific projects, um, you know, that various departments and or individuals can roll out? Yeah. So, so for for instance, your your financial department or individuals in that, you might um, you might have them embed into their systems not just the financial stuff, but also uh, carbon data. The, the greenhouse gas emissions associated with employees' travel, for instance, or the utilities that you're paying. And, and that stuff's usually pretty easy to, to gather, um, and you could add that to the database. For the design teams, it could be integrating design for environment tools, which is a, kind of an industry term for, for ways to, to improve the environmental footprint of the materials or the products or the whole process to design a product. Um, things like lightweighting, um, more energy-efficient products, um, products with recycled content. Uh, for HR, it might be it might be uh, the whole thing of, of uh, integrating sustainability metrics into people's performance reviews or their job requirements uh, or job descriptions. Uh, so there's a variety of ways it takes you can go there. Wow. Before I ask a question about greenwashing. Can you explain to the listeners what greenwashing is? Yeah, greenwashing, well, um, it comes from uh, another term, uh, whitewashing, uh, it's, uh, and the greenwashing is the environmental, um, I guess, aspect of that, and that would be, um, and sometimes it's intentional or non-intentional, but it's, it's basically um, putting a message out there that makes it sound like your products are um, more environmentally friendly, or the products or the processes are more environmentally friendly than they really are, or may um, talk about something that's not relevant to um, to the product, but um, it gives the sense that it's a environmentally friendly product, and in reality, there's there's big issues. Hmm. Is there a lot of greenwashing going on out there? There is. Um, there's there's a great deal of greenwashing uh, going on in this um, in a variety of industries, and, and you can see it when you go to the store and you see everything everything you, on the shelf almost has almost everything on the shelf has uh, labels saying uh, it's they're earth friendly or that they're completely non toxic um, and uh, other claims that um, that may not be completely true or they use um, they use a label that is um, maybe wasn't developed with good stakeholder involvement, so it doesn't really mean much. Um, examples are um, with, with forest products, wood or paper. Um, the SFI label, which is a, spelled, uh, which um, it, which is done by the um, by the um, timber industry, and it basically puts a label on just regular practices that have been going on for years compared to FSC, which is this label developed by 
stakeholder, multi-stakeholder group of, of both industry and environmental groups and public and working worker uh, representation groups um, that provide um, a really good measure on, um, uh, or excuse me, that that provide a, a assessment of of the forest, how the forests are managed, and, and does a really good job of ensuring good management of forests for the paper products and the and the wood that you're getting. When you People, I'm sure, at cocktail parties ask you all the time, how can I reduce my, my footprint? <laughs> um, but do you have any favorite high-impact footprint reducers? <laughs> well, my favorite, personally, uh, I, and this is a tough one, but living in a um, convenient location um, in an urban area where you can walk to everything, where you can easily get to your workplace or your kid's school, and um, you could uh, drive less, um, and you're also not um, causing more sprawl, which leads to loss of farmlands, uh, forest areas, wetlands. That's that's a that's a good one. It's a tough one, but uh, <laughs> that's uh, that's one of my favorites. Sounds great. Tell us a little bit about the process that you go through with companies and corporations that hire you to to uh, to, to to help. With, with issues related to sustainability and uh, and some of the other things that you're trying to tackle. Yeah, well, first we'll, we'll go through with them um, to figure out where what makes sense in terms of creating a, a sustainability vision and mission that makes sense for their company. Um, so it's going to be different if it's an agricultural agricultural company versus an architectural company uh, versus a manufacturing manufacturer of cars. Um, so. And then from that, would uh, develop actionable and measurable um, goals that fit into a strategic plan. Um, so that so those those goals might be one-year goals, quarterly goals, or, or five-year goals. Um, and they may be very. There could be some aggressive stretch goals like zero waste or zero carbon, or it could be more pro, uh, pragmatic goals such as a, a percentage of reduction of, of of waste or water over a certain amount of time. And then from there, working with departments in terms of training and engagement, and as I was mentioning earlier, getting um, ways that we can measure that and report it out. Um, and one thing I, I've seen that works really well is is creating internal um, reports and scorecards that could be just little graphs um, that show how people or departments are doing compared to other departments or other people, or how the company's doing compared to other companies in their, in their industry. It creates a lot of motivation when you start seeing that and people creates a little bit of that, that competitiveness to, to be on top. Viral marketing within the sustainability area. Tell us about some of your your SMART goals. I love uh, reading a little bit about about what you're doing. Could you tell us about the SMART goals? and? Yeah, um, so SMART's a, uh, a term that's out there. I think it's probably an HR term, but uh, basically um, it uh, stands for uh, creating goals that are specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and timely. And, and those can obviously apply to anything, not just sustainability, but, but it's really important with sustainability um, to, to have those, those standards when, when you're setting goals. Um, and uh, it puts things in perspective and gives people something that they can, can really shoot for. When you have a national disaster uh, like an oil spill in the Gulf that we, uh, that we recently, uh, unfortunately, had, 
does the morale of sustainability and environmental production, you know, deflate tremendously? And if so, I wonder what the ramifications are for the oil spill, for example, beyond just the oil the oil spill itself. Um, I guess maybe you could, uh, you could rephrase that question over your... Uh... Right. So when so much damage is being done to the Gulf and it's a bit depressing and we're down, does that alter the goals individuals have? Does it make you say, eh, I'll just, you know... I'll just dump this gasoline down the drain today because look at all the oil going into the, you know, <laughs> into the Gulf. Do we do we see a a a trend, you know, uh, of 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 problems that are well beyond the Gulf? Um, I, I think well, there's obviously the yeah, there are those those people that are dumping the the oil, they used oil directly in the drain, or, or maybe they're. Um, Putting pesticides on their lawns, and they don't realize that it uh, go, that goes ends up going in the rivers as well. But I think um, whether it connects to um, whether they do that or not, based on, on uh, international and national disasters, uh, it's hard to say. But I think I think it's a, I, I think disasters like that are a big wake up call to a lot of people to realize, you know, what are the impacts of of all this oil use because. We could blame we could blame BP and Halliburton and a few others that were involved in that, which you know of course they they're uh, they should be uh, get a lot of the blame for what happened and not having the procedures in place. But um, we also have to realize as, as companies, as individuals, um, that they're out there pumping that oil out because we're demanding it, whether it's the plastics we use or the um, the, the gasoline we need for our cars. So so I think. I think it wakes people up a bit to what are the system issues that we need to get at to, to reduce the need for oil so we don't have to go to the areas that are um, um, more dangerous to, to drill from or to do do, do business. Um, so the idea that we can maybe um, try biking once a week or um, find other ways we can reduce our dependency, dependence, individual dependence on oil um, might come from that um, versus, I don't know if, uh, yeah, I mean, there may be people that feel more pessimistic because they see those big disasters and feel like the little things they do doesn't make a difference. But I hope those that doesn't occur with the majority of people. Mm-hmm. What are the biggest, and we don't have much time left, and I really want to thank you for all this great, vast knowledge. Um, I'd like to learn just a few questions. What are the biggest motivators um, uh, and, and is this an exciting business that you're in? Is this a growing business? Are there more consulting firms like yours popping up that can educate and, and inform people that, that and, and, and make a difference? So a couple final questions for you. Um, any, any thoughts on that? Biggest motivators is the first question. Yeah, I think the biggest motivators, I think people are realizing that there's finite resources in this world and um, where our businesses and individual lives are dependent on um, the resources that the environment gives us and also the ability, all the, the issues of pollution and seeing the impacts on the communities and uh, the environment, uh, I think I think are starting to motivate people uh, and realizing that we, we can't just do business the way we have and that there's also opportunities and innovations and in sustainability and and yes, in the, um, so I've been I'm doing the sustainability thing since the late '90s. And um, when I started, most of my friends and family didn't even know what that word meant. Uh, and now it seems to be on everybody's tongue. And uh, it does seem like um, 
a lot of people are putting the shingle out around sustainability and it's advice to see like companies that uh, generally are known for financial consulting or architectural consulting are adding um, sustainability to um, the services they provide. So uh, I would, I, when people are looking for consultants, I would um, suggest they look at the type of experience they have and making sure make sure it meets what they need uh, because there are so many people putting that the, the sustainability uh, uh, consulting hat on. Uh, but there's a lot of great consultants out there and a lot of great firms. I, I see it's, it's definitely growing, uh, just being wary of... Um, of um, who who people work with and and asking asking questions before getting started is a, a great idea. Could you give listeners an idea of what sort of price points um, companies are paying uh, firms like yours, boutiques like yours that specialize in sustainability consulting and advice and information and guidance and education and all the other fun stuff? Um, you know, could you even a, a wide range? Is it is it a you know, say a company with, you know, uh, 50 employees, a smaller company, are you taking on projects for those small companies or are you only going after larger companies? And what kind of price points are people offering uh, for your services? Which gives us a feel, I think, for for how serious people are about about this, this important issue. Yeah, well, that's a hard question to answer. I mean, the, the part about what size company is a little easier and, and it's, for me, I've been uh, working with everyone from small startups with, with just a couple people uh, to medium-sized companies to, to large corporations. Um, and the amount of work and the, and the cost and what they can do varies so greatly. Um, and it really just depends how deep and how much they want to do. Uh, I mean, you know, some companies that are doing sustainability, they have a staff of 30 people um, Internally, that are doing this stuff, so, so you can imagine what those kind of costs are to, to have those internal folks. Others just need, like a, a startup, might just need to have a couple conversations, or maybe they need more, but they can only have a couple, a couple hour conversation, just to get some ideas on where to get started. So I'll, I'll uh, provide a couple hours of, of uh, consultation. Um, so, so in terms of, of the budget, it really, really varies, um, and it's all over the place depending on um, how deep how deep the company wants to go and, and what issues they have, how complex their supply chain is, um, if it's global or if they're just making something on site, um, and, uh, and how big their, their company is. Great answer and, and a wide range there. Thanks for that. Um, do, you, do you have any final tips and advice that you would like to share with people? I think we probably got a lot of tips and advice out to people already, but... Uh, we'll be making some of the some of the tips that you wrote up um, and sent in to us in advance uh, available on a profile page on on Life Tips, along with um, a link to to this recording. So we'll be able to get some content out there for you. But any final words on either final tips and or ways people should get a hold of you if they if they're interested in, in learning more about your services? Yeah, I, I would say um, in terms of final tips, I would just say uh, it, it could be very daunting, but you know, you could there's easy steps to to get started and uh, don't don't be afraid to just take some some small baby steps in terms of addressing maybe the things you do know about and or what or the values that you have and, and and doing something that meets your values and something that's personally important to you um, so, so that would be one way to get started and then in terms of if people want to get a hold of me um, if they go to my website which is which is shift advantage that um, shift is in shifting gears uh, shiftadvantage.com um, they can get a hold of me there, or they can email me. Um, email address is eric 
brody at shiftadvantage.com. Um, I'd be happy to talk with folks and uh, maybe help them get started on their way towards uh, the path of becoming more sustainable. Appreciate all your knowledge today and all your help uh, for, the, for the listeners listening in. Um, so, Eric, thanks a lot for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Indeed. Until uh, next week, everybody, I hope your life is a little smarter, better, faster, and wiser, and, and more sustainable. Thanks again for listening, and everyone. See you next week. Mm-hmm.